This podcast is sponsored by ebookit.com, self-publishing solutions for the independent author and small press. Visit us today at ebookit.com. Welcome to the Toastmasters podcast, the official podcast of Toastmasters International. Hello, everybody. This is Greg Gazin. Folks, a roast is something that you can bake in the oven at 350 degrees for 15 to 20 minutes per pound. But it's also a humorous way to honor or recognize an individual by poking fun at them in a good-natured way. And our guest today will be enlightening us on this topic, hopefully also (laughs) in a good-natured way. Chris Arning is a creative strategist specializing in semiotics and cultural insight with over 15 years of international experience as a planner, qualitative researcher, and semiotician. Chris also speaks both Spanish and Japanese and has lived in Madrid and Toronto. He was formerly head of semiotics at Flamingo Research, where he designed and led semiotics projects for globally renowned companies. Chris is currently the CEO of Creative Semiotics Limited, a boutique semiotics consultancy firm he founded in 2010. And he has since worked for clients as diverse as SAB Miller, Boots, Radio Center, and the BBC. A Toastmaster since 2017, Chris is the past president of Barclay Square Toastmasters Club in central London. Chris was interviewed recently on Roasting Club Officers and Members, and one of the individuals interviewed for the article Fire Up the Lectern and also offers sidebar tips appearing in the February 2024 issue of the Toastmasters magazine. Coming to us from London, where he currently lives, Chris Arning, welcome to the Toastmasters podcast. Good afternoon, Greg. Lovely to meet you. (laughs) I guess it's morning here and afternoon (laughs) there, (laughs) Rit. I hear it's 25 minus over there. That's correct. It is very briskly <laughs> cold. <laughs> so you're not going to fall asleep during this podcast? No, absolutely not. <laughs> but Chris, before we begin, I'm just curious, what are semiotics? Well, semiotics, um, Greg, is the study of signs in communication. And uh, it is now used by big global companies um, to help manage their marketing and to help them be more culturally intelligent, to connect quicker and more effectively with their target. And to help close the gap between what these companies think they're communicating and what they're actually communicating. And as you know, we're in a society which is ever more scrutinizing of company behavior and of, you know, cultural missteps. So, you know, a company looking at their communication and making it more resonant, making it more contemporary and more impactful is is clearly what what everyone needs to be be thinking of in, in investing in. And actually, there is a link between semiotics and Toastmasters, and that comes through the concept of evaluation, because obviously with an evaluation, we're seeking to help uh, the speaker improve the speech by looking at various aspects of it, the structure, the content, the potential impact, the delivery, and all those things we give recommendations. And it's very similar with semiotics in the sense as we look at the the logo, the colours used, the brand name, the connotations of the name, how it all fits together. Does it fit together? Is it coherent? Is it impacting the right groups in the right right way. So, and how is it likely to be interpreted? Yeah, there is a link between semiotics and evaluations at Toastmasters. Excellent. So you're well qualified for this episode. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> <laughs> now, Chris, I've given a number of roasts and former as a past district director, I've also been the subject of many of these roasts. And as as you can certainly imagine, the the number of literary punches that have been thrown at me. Now, when I read the article and I saw that you referred to the roast as, quote, a rite of passage, I said to myself, 
I need to talk to this guy. So you can, <laughs> can you enlighten us in terms of how is a roast a rite of passage? Well, I mean, I see a rite of passage as um, something within cultures around the world, which actually helps a person transition from one state of being, one state of affairs to another. Often when people come of age, adolescence, uh, whether male or female, there's certain rites of passage that, that they go through, whether it be bar mitzvahs or confirmations in various spiritual traditions or whether it be um, other forms of rite of passage. In Toastmasters, I think it's really important, the what I call the mighty switch, which is where we hand over from one set of officers to another, to mark that phase. First of all, to dignify and honour uh, the individuals who have gone and to honour and dignify the work they've put in, but also to welcome in the new. And I think there's no better way of doing that than by roasting somebody. But I also think that it is, as I've said, part of testing someone's ability to to be a leader, because I think being a leader involves resilience and it also involves people giving feedback, being able to take feedback on. Um, I think a roast is actually a kind of a fun way of doing that and at the same time celebrating someone's personal qualities and virtues. That's wonderful. In the open, I loosely defined what a roast is. And so to help those who may not be familiar with it, Chris, could you tell us a little bit about what a roast is and what it isn't? Well, thanks. That's a great question, Greg. I mean, I think a lot of people have this idea of the roast as, as their kind of worst nightmare. You know, picture the scene, you in the spotlight with a series of nemeses, all the people that know the most embarrassing, cringeful secrets about you, submitting you to a character assassination. I think that's what some people think of a roast and maybe <laughs> the roasts that have been popularised by TV networks like Comedy Central, for example, if anyone's a fan of the US office, you know, Michael Scott, there's a famous episode where um, he is roasted and then uh, rebuts all those who have roasted him. And it's kind of, uh, I think it shows that the perils of maybe not approaching the roast in the right way. For me, a roast in its dictionary definition is a speech where people are submitted to light teasing and their idiosyncrasies and foibles are highlighted for public consumption my experience with roast however shows another side which is a roast is actually i think a very ennobling speech it isn't a personal attack so much as a portrait i think for those giving ro roasts uh, i would suggest to think about bringing alive the individual depicting the individual in as rich detail as possible bringing their unique quirks to life? How do you pierce to the unique attributes of this person in a way that others will recognise? In that sense, I think it's very similar to another speech that we do at Toastmasters, which is the best man speech, where I've delivered a couple of best man speeches. And the best piece of advice I received is don't try and tell jokes, just say true things about the groom and people will laugh because people will recognise what you recognise in them, um, their weaknesses, their foibles, their catchphrases. And if you render that in rich detail, you will get a laugh, especially if you have an audience who have been indulging in alcohol. That's interesting. I, I never made the connection between the best man speech and a roast, but it's, it's so true. I can recall my mentor, I had an opportunity of roasting him. And it's interesting because this, he was an incredible individual. He had an incredible vocabulary. You know, his idea of a fun weekend would be reading War and Peace from, from beginning to end. And oh, right. When we have the word of the day in Toastmasters, where we try to improve our vocabulary, he would always come up with these really crisp words, these words that would 
we could use them. But when I was roasting him, what I say is that his name was Sean, Sean Melrose, and he gave me permission previously to to talk about this. What I basically said about Sean was that when it was time for him to come up with, with the word of the day, he would his word of the day had to have a minimum of 14 letters. Right. <laughs> and then I would add no vowels. <laughs> Wow, it sounds like an exercise in uh, in tongue twistery. Absolutely. And again, just as you alluded to the Comedy Channel, I know for us in North America here, for those of you who are above a certain age, you might recall the Dean Martin celebrity roasts. And I remember catching uh, those when I was younger. Of course, I think Dean Martin may have been slightly inebriated or perhaps just appearing to be inebriated. And I think you could probably catch those reruns on, as you said, on, on Comedy Central. Indeed. So Chris, beyond just looking for a cheap laugh, which is I think what some of the TV shows do, I know it's more than that. What would you say is, let's call it, for lack of a better term, the basic grilling recipe for a good roast? And how would you put one together? Well, that's a really good question. Um, So I've written three roasts in the last year and a bit. Wow. And I think you've got to start with a person. My number one tip would be get a team together. So if it's a Toastmasters uh, roast one of the best things is to get the committee on side because the committee will be having the most intense interactions with the president on a regular basis assuming the roast is the president which it often is and asking them just to collect anecdotes collect the, the sort of recurrent little things that person does that mark them out maybe their catchphrases maybe the way the looks they give in certain situations perhaps their their taste their preferences you know what do they like to eat what are they what do they like to say what do they like to do so just keeping a notebook of material is really useful that's the first thing then i think it's thinking about i've done a bit of stand up comedy and one of the first exercises you'll do doing any stand up comedy is usually to try and work out what your comedy persona is and that's to say what are your characteristics like what are the things that both delight and infuriate other people about you i mean for me it would be very much like your friend i like to use long words i'd never use two syllables where a word of seven syllables will do um (laughs) i love obscure terms i can sometimes waffle on as i'm probably doing now anything that marks someone out is funny because other people pick up on that and then what you'll do in the roast is you'll take those things and you'll hyperbolize them which is to say you'll exaggerate them just like cartoon uh skilled cartoonists will take someone's physical characteristics or or mannerisms and then exaggerate them make them longer make them bigger and that will be a recognizable and humorous caricature so you want to do similar thing so i think as i say the first thing is gather the material second thing is try and boil the material down into some themes and then i would mix the themes up with anecdotes so a combination of this person's one quality is this attach an anecdote to it another quality they have is this attach an anecdote to it and then maybe probably the law of three follow that with a third that's a way, uh, I think, a really classic way of putting together a roast. And then you know, share the roast with people. Um, I'm generally a believer of, of asking for forgiveness rather than asking for permission. And I think there are some things you should keep to yourself. But I think anything you think could be either controversial or could be uh, touch a nerve with the roastee, it's best to run it by someone that knows them. But I don't think you should be pandering too much. Ultimately, if you deliver a roast, you need to have broad shoulders. Mm -hmm. You're ultimately submitting someone to a minor ordeal. So the very least you can do is to take a few risks yourself. Guess what? That's what makes the best roast. As we know, as Sarah Khan once said, uh, Toastmaster, I respect, vulnerability is the currency of connection. And that can be true when you're opening up about a difficult moment in your life in an international speech contest, for example. But I think it's also true of a roast. 
give something of yourself. It's not just about you piling on to this poor person who's having their, you know, their life paraded in front of others. Give of yourself, take a few risks. But yeah, just if you think something could be controversial, then run it by other people. So that's what I would say. Gather material, boil them down to the the main themes and attributes, attach anecdotes to those, run it by someone else, and then go out and give them hell. So you're saying that jokes can have an edge as long as they're not really mean-spirited. Yes, you know, I'm probably going to be blamed for this because a hundreds of roasts are going to now happen if I'm going to get blamed for someone being in tears. I can only really speak for myself. If you're going to be a president, and that's, I think, one of the important ingredients in the recipe of a successful roast is that a roast should always be punching up. You know, you should be roasting someone in a position of authority. Now, if someone's willing to be a leader, they're going to have to realize that things are always going to go according to plan. They're going to have to be resilient. One of the wages of leadership, I believe, is being able to be in the school of hard knock. So I think you're given permission to kind of take people down a peg or two. For me, when I was president and my vice president of membership, Craig, if you're out there listening, I can't believe some of the hurtful things you said to me, but I've just about <laughs> forgiven forgiving you for it. Just kidding. When he stepped up to deliver my roast at the summer party, my biggest fear wasn't that he was going to say something offensive. Quite on the contrary, my biggest fear was that he was going to come across as a bit too pandering, a bit too, it was going to be a bit lame. It was going to be a bit of a flop and he wasn't going to be funny. That was a much bigger fear. When it turned out he was funny, but at points maybe a bit too funny for my liking. Guess what? He enjoyed it more. The crowd enjoyed it more. And even though at times it was like, oh my God, I can't believe what he just said. That was actually really funny. And looking back, it's a lot more memorable than it would have been if he'd kind of gone gone too easy on me. So, so I think as a roaster, you need to try and strike a balance. You need to say things that are true and don't hold back if they're true and everyone knows they're true. In terms of hyperbolizing them, you can do that. But if it's something that you think is going to be sensitive to the person, you might want to share it with someone close to them who also knows them, just to make sure you're not going to offend. I mean, since we're putting it all on the table and the whole world is listening, how about sharing one of the examples? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the examples was I'm known for being a performance poet and I delivered a couple of renditions of poetry at the club, which I think people enjoyed. But one of the premises of of Craig's speech was that I was always oversharing my poetry. The spoof was that half his roast was delivered in verse. So he actually created a poem. So he delivered, he suddenly flipped from prose into poetry and said, hey, Chris, I'm going to show you how to deliver performance poetry. And that was obviously funny. He also alluded to the fact that during my tenure, I arranged for every member of the committee to be standing president for me. Mm-hmm. and he alluded to that but then said i did it because i wanted to show everyone in the club that no one was as good a president as me which wasn't entirely true <laughs> i was trying to get everyone to see how good the presidency was and what a privilege it was and you know everyone knew it was a joke and i did as well i wasn't really offended by any of those things i think it's interesting as a, as a roastee being roasted that you you actually are surprised at how much people pay attention so it is like looking in the mirror like people are pulling on things that you think, oh my God, like even my family members wouldn't necessarily pick that up. And ultimately that's where the roast really touches the sub to the roast because, you know, fundamentally whatever someone says about you, someone's actually bothered to gather these anecdotes, to think about who you are, to really pierce the core of your character and bothered to put together something that's going to entertain you and other people. And it's a real honor to be roasted because, you know, a good roast takes a lot of work and Mm -hmm. it takes some risk on the part of the person stepping up to deliver it. 
And the club I belonged to for a number of years was my first club I had joined. It was a tradition the last week of the year, Toastmaster year, which is in June, to roast the president. So it's made known at the beginning of the year. So everyone is told to uh, to take notes. And I recall uh, one one of our presidents, you know how we joke about some some of us are sometimes directionally challenged. Uh, uh-huh. We had said that she was seasonally challenged. She didn't know what season it was because she had these Ugg boots, which are like, I believe, sheepskin or sheep lined yeah. boots. And she wore them when it was in the middle of summer. So <laughs> we joked yeah. about things like that. Getting back to the to the composition, in the article, there's also a sidebar that you had written. And again, we'll certainly put links into the show notes. You mentioned the three concepts of objective, tone, and attitude. Can you explain how these fit into the roast? Yeah, sure, Greg. I think, you know, like all good speeches, every good speech should have a purpose and there should be, you know, both a specific and general purpose. And I think the general purpose is to entertain and to honor and dignify it's a social speech if you inspire people then great but that's not the main objective so having the objective in mind but i would finesse that to say yes you're entertaining but you'll do so by thinking of this as a portrait you're seeking to texture and bring to life the characteristics of this individual if you do that all those that know that person will tap into the truth and the sincerity even if when it's when it's exaggerated and they will laugh because you're reflecting back to that person how they come across. And that's really the core of every roast, in my opinion. So that's the objective. The tonality, I would it goes back to what I've said about, you know, there's almost like we drive stick shift in the UK in our cars. And there's a thing called the biting point, which is where you you bring the clutch up and the, the gears engage with the engine. And meaning that there's like a threshold and parameters within which you want to hit and you don't want to go too far one way or the other. So if the club members think this is just a kind of slightly contrived puff piece so you're saying nice things about the person but maybe kind of laughing sarcastically or maybe you're you know listing their list of achievements but then maybe say one thing that's slightly less complimentary then they'll laugh but they will feel a bit shortchanged it's not really a roast however if you share private revelations you say things that are a personal affront to the individual or a generally off- offensive, then you will go down about as well as someone talking about a groom's marital infidelities at a wedding. You know, it's just not appropriate. It sounds like I'm making everyone terrified of delivering a rose. It's probably not as, as difficult as I'm making out, but I, all I'm, my, my point is simply that whilst you want to avoid giving offence, no one's really served by you going in there with kid gloves. You need to like commit to the joke um, and that leads me to my the attitude, which is to remember you are punching up. The person is in authority over you. They, they need to have broad shoulders. So when you talk about their personal foibles and characteristics, you know, you know, say what those are and, and give an anecdote. And they might feel, oh, my God, I can't believe you said that. But when they review it, they realize it's not offensive. It's actually honoring them because it shows that you ultimately respect them and everything I've shared in a roast when I'm roasting other people and everything that was shared about me was ultimately respectful of me because even if it was laughing about the fact that I do Japanese calligraphy and my roaster saying that his kid daughter could do better he's joking (laughs) about that you know he's producing something to create laughs but you know he also has said that he really admires my endeavor and the way I'm interested in many things so people will say things for effect but don't take offense fundamentally they are dignifying you and they're calling attention to something that's positive about you. Mm -hmm. 
You know, it's interesting you're talking about this because I'm still recalling. I have a friend who's a fellow Toastmaster. He's been a Toastmaster. I've been a Toastmaster for 22 years. He's been a Toastmaster much longer. A number of years ago, he had one project left to do, which was the roast to achieve his distinguished Toastmaster designation. Although I did indicate to him that he could have chosen another manual. But nevertheless, I had asked him why he had put it off. And he said to me that he felt that he couldn't do it. He was worried that he was going to offend someone. It, it wasn't his character to say things like this. And I said, well, you know, you're always making fun of me. So why don't you come to my club in June and do that project at the end of the term? And you could roast me, <laughs> which he did. <laughs> and he ended up saying, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was. So. <laughs> On that note, what advice would you impart on someone who would really like to do this, but has this fear of either not being funny or offending someone? As I've said, I think you've got to respect the person that you're roasting. So I think you, the example you gave just then was fantastic, which was, you know, your friend wasn't confident maybe roasting someone he didn't know that well, but was confident roasting you because I'm guessing you guys have a lot of banter between you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that made it easier so definitely choosing someone they respect to know that's a really good think piece of advice the other one is that you know when I delivered a roast for my outgoing district director with whom I um, alongside I, I served on the district um, leadership team big up to Rupa Dutta excellent job uh, as you know when I roasted her I was roasting her alongside a number of individuals namely the club growth director Debbie Williams the uh, district administration manager Amy Jones and Freddie Daniels who's a DTM and long-standing member of the district um, who knows Rupert well so you know if you want to take the pressure off if you divide the roast up into sections you can basically feel like you're part of a joint venture and if the roast does decide to go berserk <laughs> on the roast <laughs> and, you know, at least there's going to be four of you to soak up the backlash uh, i'm just kidding but yeah no i think it on a serious note i think it makes you feel more more confident because you have other people with you I and mean, that's been my experience it was also the experience of roasting the outgoing president of my club which i also delivered this year and, and i did that with two other individuals uh, you can also co-write a roast with somebody who may not be on stage to deliver it but that way, the two of you can sort of sound out ideas between the two of you. You can sort of censor things and uh, sense check things and make sure that you're on the right track. And, and that's probably going to build confidence as well. Excellent. And in my home club, I can't recall if I mentioned it earlier, it's a tradition every year in our club to roast the president. So of course you gather information at the beginning. But one thing we implemented or we started implementing a few years ago is that at the end, the president has an opportunity to do, quote unquote, an evaluation. He or she gets an opportunity to give a rebuttal to what was said. I think the rebuttal idea is fantastic. Uh, just don't try and emulate Michael Scott from the US office. <laughs> what I also discovered is that if you advertise it or if you promote it well ahead of time, you're going to get a lot of people attending. Not only are you going to be getting the club members to attend, but we find that guests come as well. And not only that, it's a great opportunity to get your friends to come and have people listen to you getting <laughs> roasted. Yeah. I mean, I think it has the character of someone going up and doing stand up comedy or, 
I don't know, like something could go horribly wrong. So you are there to support them. But, you know, in the back of your mind, I think we're all human beings. We're all curious. We all have a morbid curiosity and morbid morbid interest in stuff with the stuff at stake. And of course, uh, in a roast, there's a lot of stuff at stake. There's the potential reputation of the roaster. There's the roastee and how it will be received. And I think part of the the humour of, of a roast which shouldn't be neglected is is the expression on the face of the, the subject of the roast, which can <laughs> goes through a whole gamut of emotions generally through a roast, and, and they're sort of going, what what what's going to happen next? But that's part of the fun. It's not just the delivery of the gags and the um, the narrative from the, the raconteur who's the who's delivering the roast, but also the reaction of the the subject of the roast as well. Yeah. It's just bringing back so many so many memories. You talked a little bit about being roasted yourself, but is there a particular memory of a roast, Toastmasters or otherwise, that you could perhaps share with us? Yeah, there is a kind of quite personal memory. For my father's 81st birthday, I decided to get hold of his old school reports from the school he went to that I also went to um, when he was sort of 14, 15. And back in the sort of fifties, uh, when this was written in, in English, it was written in a very sort of stilted, quaint English. So his schoolmaster would say something: "You've performed rather creditably in what at times has been a rather unrewarding part." Or we think we're reasonably satisfied. So it's kind of sort of damning with faint praise. It was just hilarious. And so what I did was I repurposed the words, but I applied them to his being the father of our family in his seventies and eighties. So it was the idea of his family gave him a 360 degree performance review and this was the review. But we used the words from when he was like 15, his like schoolmasters used it and he just loved it. He found it really funny because it was obviously very condescending being from his son. We feel on balance over the 81 years. It's been a rather good terms work, you know, stuff like that. Uh, he passed away last year and at his um, funeral on the 24th of July, I delivered that roast, which I think the whole family really enjoyed. Ultimately, was able I was able to bring him to life after he passed during the, the ceremony at the funeral in the way that the congregation recognised. You know, his reliability, his gentleness, unassuming nature, uh, even though obviously what I was saying was lightly teasing and joshing. And uh, the reason I bring this up is that I realised when I wrote the speech about the other two roasts that I delivered, actually, this was a form of roast in the sense I was honouring and dignifying someone that I really respected and obviously loved, but through bringing out their characteristics, um, sometimes slightly embarrassing or slightly funny to the audience. So I, I say this just because people think of a roast as like a full on boisterous personal attack full of insults but it can be a lot more subtle a lot more a lot lighter a lot more oblique and a lot gentler but it can still be funny so there's many different types of roast there's not just one type of roast so i'd encourage the audience to get creative well first of all i'm very very sorry for your loss but i'm also thinking that what you're saying for someone who may not have known your dad very well perhaps they were there with someone else who knew your dad what you're sharing with them gets them to know your dad a little bit more but not only that it's memorable it's very memorable than just giving a list of accomplishments yeah absolutely yeah i think that's really appreciated and it's touching and so i think the humor people wouldn't ordinarily think of humor at a funeral but it's surprising just how touching these little touches can these little reminders of people's character can be at otherwise what is obviously a very solemn and even somber event so um you know that really helped me see just how diverse and, and wide-ranging uh, what we might term a roast can be. Great. 
Well, Chris, this has certainly been a lot of fun and I can't wait until I come across the next rose because I, I think it's actually been a little while. Now, if people are interested in finding out a little bit more about you or what you do, what's the best way for people to find you? I do have a website, www.creativesemiotics.co.uk. I also have a quarterly course for brand communication professionals, how to do semiotics in seven weeks. If you Google that, you should come across it. The best way to keep up with my updates and uh, doings would be to follow me on LinkedIn. Just type in Chris Arning into LinkedIn. And I'd absolutely be delighted to connect with you and uh, find out more about you as well. Well, folks, if you've enjoyed this episode and had a good chuckle as I have, the roasts are absolutely fantastic. I also encourage you to share this episode with your friends and family and fellow Toastmasters. You can find the Toastmasters podcast at Apple, Google, Spotify, and pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. Don't forget, Fire Up the Lectern, an article written by Kate McClare, appears in the February 2024 issue of the Toastmaster magazine. And along with that, there is a sidebar on grilling tips where Chris touches upon what he spoke about with your objective, your tone, and your attitude with respect to the roast. Chris Arning, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today, and I wish you all the best and happy roasting. Yeah, absolute pleasure, Greg. A quick big up to all the members of Bartley Square Speakers and District 91, and an absolute pleasure and honor to be on. Thank you very much. Cheers. Ever imagined a book written just for you? Introducing Books.ai. We're not just another bookstore. We're the future of reading. Our state-of-the-art AI adapts each book to your specific needs, creating a personalized masterpiece. Visit Books.ai now. That's P-O-O-K-S dot A-I. And use the promotion code SPOTIFY for a whopping 50% off. Books.ai. Your personalized book awaits.